This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. What was that? That was amazing. Was that wonderful? My goodness me. Well, you can just stay down here if you want to. That's fine. You don't have to run away. Let's just remain standing, please, if you don't mind. Let's open up and pray. I'm going to share something here tonight, this afternoon. On Wednesday night, last week, a week ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I preached to somebody from this church, outside of the church. I hadn't seen them for a while. And I preached to them. But I've been praying about something that's been in my heart for some months. And then I preached this message to them. It was quite a full message. Then I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I went to the bathroom, closed the door, because I didn't want to disturb Pastor Bev. And I wrote, four o'clock in the morning, I wrote down what the Lord gave me in the dream. At the end of the day, it's a message that I have to deliver to the body of Christ. I believe it's for all of us. Not for you only, for me too, for all of us. From the Holy Ghost to for all of us. And um, I trust that God will give me the wisdom and the grace to teach it in such a way that we can receive it and run with it. Amen? And I'll thank the ministry that has ministered so far, done a great job. Everybody's been preaching so well. God has got His hand on this, on this meeting, no doubt about it. Dear Father, as we bow before you now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the mighty Holy Ghost. I thank you that rests upon my mind that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within me. Thank you now for a supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from our mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, removing all confusion, and that your word, Father, will enter every heart under the sound of my voice, bringing faith and removing all fear, for which we give you alone all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in the wonderful name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, and you may be seated. So that was of the spirit that we had our prayer meeting now, so I can teach this afternoon. <laughs> Amen. Now tomorrow afternoon, we'll have a similar meeting to we had yesterday afternoon and the day before. But now I'm going to teach because I believe that's what the Lord wants to do. 
Go to Luke 19, please, and verse 41 in your Bible. Luke 19, 41, New King James. Now, as Jesus drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Those people were caught up in their daily responsibilities and duties in the city of Jerusalem. They missed their eternal inheritance, which was hidden in the message that God sent Jesus to bring them. Their eternal destiny was hidden in the message that God sent Jesus to bring them, but they were looking at Jesus as a man, how he was dressed, what he looked like, which was not important. What he came to tell them was important. It was the difference between life and death. And destruction came upon that city in 70 AD, destroyed by the Romans exactly as Jesus prophesied. Because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. It was the word he came to share that they did not accept. Now go to Psalm 107.20. It says, God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And that's what happened. God sent Jesus, his word, to deliver them and heal them from all their destructions. And today, that still applies. Hold up your Bible and say, God sent his word to heal me and deliver me from all my destructions. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning was Christ the Word, and He was with the Father, and the Word was also deity. And the Word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. So Christ, the Word, took on a human body and walked the earth. Just before he was crucified, he said this in John chapter 17 and verse 6. In his prayer to the Father, I've told these men about you, Father. They were in the world, and then you gave them to me. Actually, they were always yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. What have they done? They've kept 
your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed it on to them, the words you gave me, and they have accepted them. He said, I passed on the words you gave me to them, and they have accepted the word. Say that, they accepted the word. Now, Jesus sent his disciples, all his followers, to carry the word. Mark 16, 15. And Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the word to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. Paul received revelation when Jesus appeared to him, or salvation when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And God took Paul to heaven to teach him the word. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven is where God has his throne. The first heaven is the atmosphere around us, and the second heaven is between the first and the third. And Paul said, with us in the body, out the body, I do not know. God knows. So those who have gone on before us, like my parents, and probably some of your parents too, they are in heaven now, a spirit being. They look like their old body used to look when they were in the prime of their age. They can talk. They can reason and think because the soul is seated in the spirit of man. And they have emotions and feelings and everything just like they had down here. And they don't even know that they're not in a physical body because the spirit body to them is just like the physical body was in the prime of their life. That's why Paul said, whether in the body or out the body, I do not know. Yet they can't tell. But he's caught up to the third heaven. Why? And I know such a man, whether in the body or out the body, I do not know. God knows. How he was caught up into paradise. That's the third heaven. And heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So some of the things he heard he can't tell us, but clearly Jesus taught him because he refers to that in other places. And then Peter confirms that in his, one of his letters in 2 Peter 3.15. And remember the Lord is waiting. So, and remember the Lord is waiting so that people have time to be saved. This is just as our beloved brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all Paul's letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted Paul's letters around to mean something quite different from what he meant, just as they do with the other parts of Scripture to the, to the destruction, to the re <laughs> and the result is disaster for them. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
Okay, so Peter says that changing the Scripture brings disaster on those who do. Is that right? And Peter acknowledged that Paul's letters were Scripture. We got that, right? Okay. God raised up people in our time to carry the word of the Lord. The uncompromised teaching of the word of God. Like E.W. Kenyon, Kenneth E. Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, F.F. Bosworth, and among us there are some as well. Pastors among us who are carrying the message of the uncompromised word of God. Now, I'm using these names because of the quality of their teaching. And I'm not talking about great giant evangelists of our time who won multitudes to the Lord. I'm, they, they did a wonderful job. Thank God for them. I'm talking about specifically those that God's called to train the body of Christ. I'm referring here in this teaching to those that God's called to train the body of Christ. Amen? As I said, some of the messages at this celebration will motivate us to charge into the battle, into the danger zone. And some of the messages will train us and equip us to use our sword, the Spirit, our prayer, the weapons of our warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God, the shield of faith. Some teachings will train us to use our warfare weapons. Amen? That's why the Lord said, put on the whole armor of God. Why? You know, a soldier doesn't put his armor on just to look pretty. It's to go into battle. Hello, are you out there? And those are God's weapons. Put on the armor of who? God. So, I'm referring to some teachings will train us to use our weapons. Others will motivate us to charge into battle. But we want to be sure that when we do charge into battle, we know how to use these weapons. We are skilled in the art of warfare. Amen. Now, some messages we hear today or this week will not only train us and motivate us, we'll have both in one message or two messages or so on. And some messages, like we just had now from Apostle John Torrance, is actually stepping into the war zone and taking the battle to the enemy. Amen? But also correcting ourselves. Because we don't want to go into battle unfit for the battle. Are you ready? You know what I mean? We're tracking me? Okay. So, moving along. Kenneth Hagin tells a story in one of his messages, uh, in the early years of his ministry, he was preaching on a platform about 18 inches high, just slightly less than half a meter high, 
And uh, when he was done preaching, he stepped off the platform onto the wooden floor and slipped and fell on his elbow and smashed it into a whole bunch of pieces, fragment, fragmented his, whatever is the right word here, his elbow into a whole bunch of fragments, right? So they took him to hospital. He's lying in the hospital bed in a private room, talking to the Lord, asking God, how can this happen? I'm living for you. I'm not living in sin. And, uh, and I'm preaching, and I have this terrible accident. And now the doctors say that when I put my arm in a cast and whatever position it's in, that's how it's going to stay. So he's told the Lord, how can this happen to me? And doctors and nurses are walking in out the room. They're looking at his chart and they come and do stuff, take blood pressure and all that, whatever. So he hears footsteps coming down the passage like a whole bunch of times he's heard before. And the door is slightly open. He doesn't look up. He's just praying. And then he walks this person, comes around the side of the bed, pulls out a chair and sits down. So now, because this person is sitting down, he looks up at this person with a shock because it happened to be Jesus. And Jesus was sitting right there next to him in a robe, white robe, sandals on his feet. And he said, and he said, every hair on the back of his neck stood up. And then Jesus said, I've come to tell you why you broke your arm. And then after telling him that, he spoke to him about an hour and a half about a lot of other things in his ministry and the future. And during that time, no one came into the room. That doesn't surprise us. But this is what he said. He said, you have been saying that you are a teacher and a prophet. But I've called you to be a prophet and a teacher. He said, now, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, in Ephesians 4.11, you'll see the list of the fivefold ministry, but there's no order. It doesn't say first, second, third. This is the order of authority in the church mentioned here. So, Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, you turn the order of authority around. You put the teacher's ministry above the prophet's ministry. You change the scripture. And because you change the scripture... You open the door for Satan to attack you, and I couldn't defend you. And he said, my spirit tried to warn you, the Holy Spirit, tried to warn you several times, but you didn't pick up on it. You never responded. And there was nothing I could do to help you. He says, now, he says, you prayed and asked me to heal your arm, your arm will be healed. And told him what will happen. So, the point I'm making here is what Peter said 
how that they twist the scripture and the result is disaster for them. We must understand we can't just make up things and change the scripture to suit whatever we feel like we want to preach. We've got to preach the word. No matter how we feel about it, it's the truth. Are you tracking me, church? So that's the word of God is final authority. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when somebody goes and comes and tells me, so-and-so said you said that, or you did this. And I never said it, I never did it. And then they tell anybody what I said and I didn't say it. I don't like that. So, nor does God like it when we say, this is what God says and God didn't say it. Hello? The Holy Spirit told me to start a Bible college. One day I was reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2. Several years ago now. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a scripture the Apostle Runa used this afternoon. But I was reading that, and I began to meditate on that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly and said, start Bible school. And teach exactly that, what I've taught you. So I said, well, how am I going to do this? And the Holy Spirit said to me, go talk to Andre Vilmos. Make him the dean of the school. And of course... That happened a long time ago. How many years is it now? Where's Dr. Andre? How many years ago is it, Dr. Andre? Do you know? 1999. 1999. He's been faithful to the call. And we've Bible schools, not only here, but all over the world now. And... Um, we have a great team of people working in the Bible school department. I'd like to just show you the video, if I may, of the two-minute, one-minute video of the Bible school. Can we do that? Should I move this pulpit? Should we move the pulpit, Dr. Johnny? Is it okay here? And this, says the Lord, is my hour. This is what I destined and planned before time began. It's my hour, says God, to sweep the nations of the world with a revival, and I have positioned some of you. I have positioned some of you to be great leaders, to do mighty exploits, and lead in this revival. Rise up now, lay hold of that which I have for you. In 2007, Dr. Theo Volmerantz embarked on an extraordinary journey guided by 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, sowing the seeds and laying the foundation for an epic legacy that was only the beginning of CFCI Bible College. The first campus emerged as a beacon of faith and knowledge and 512 students registered for the first year. Just a year later, unwavering dedication bore fruit with three more campuses taking root, 
the CFCI Bible College family expanded excitingly, including the addition of San Antonio, Texas. And in the heart of the Indian Ocean, Mauritius launched its Bible College, igniting a transformational journey and opening up the curriculum to other languages and cultures. Over the next five years, the CFCI Bible College family blossomed to 19 campuses worldwide, spanning continents and changing lives. Graduates birthed new campuses, making a powerful impact in South Africa. An explosion of 14 Bible colleges and the Advanced Biblical Studies program in 2015 marked a significant milestone to further equip people and have a greater understanding of the fundamentals of doctrine and theology. In 2017, an unexpected door of opportunity opened in Cuba, equipping pastors to become effective crusaders for Christ. Twenty twenty brought unprecedented challenges, but we adapted swiftly, earning recognition for student support from ASIC, one of the world's largest international accreditation agencies. In twenty twenty one, two more Bible colleges broke ground, and by twenty twenty two, we stood at a hundred and eleven campuses worldwide, with over thirty thousand students registered. Fast forward to twenty twenty three and nine more campuses bring our footprint to a staggering 120 worldwide. Join us in this incredible narrative of empowerment, education and growth. CFCI Bible College, enriching minds, transforming hearts and growing leaders since 2007. All glory to God, family. All glory to God. That's what the Lord has done. And I, I do believe that praying in the Holy Ghost has got a lot to do with what God's done. Amen? Not only me praying, but training others to pray, and together, God is working. Amen? Now, you can register for Bible school now for January. Go online if you want to, you can. And whatever city you're in, I'm sure there's a Bible college there. And it's not me. It's not about me and who I am. That's not important. It's the message. It's the message. It's the message. It's the Word of God that's important. That's what that is all about. It's God's Word that changes all of our lives. It's the revelation of God's Word that's important. Now, Kenneth E. Hagin was probably the greatest prophet, in my estimation, that lived the last hundred years. And he spent a lot of his time, most of his time, teaching the Word of God. The prophet spent most of his time teaching the Word, word of God. And he's written many, many books. And they've sold millions of copies around the world. Jesus was the greatest prophet that ever lived. And yet he spent much of his time teaching the Word of God. You can see that in the Gospels. In Mark 6, 1, Jesus left that part of the country 
and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, Jesus began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They asked, where did he get all his wisdom and power to perform such miracles? He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in Jesus. Because they knew him. They knew him as a man. They knew him as a man. They knew him as a child growing up. And so they missed the message that he came to bring. Because they saw him as a man, knew him as a man, they did not listen to the message of salvation, of deliverance. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching. Went from village to village teaching. Why did he do that? Why did he go around teaching in a place that has so much unbelief? Because faith comes by hearing the word. And the only way to change that situation is through the teaching of the word. Amen. Jesus said when he comes back, <coughs> excuse me, will he find faith on the earth? And when Peter fell and denied Jesus three times, before that, Jesus said, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith doesn't fail. And when you are restored, strengthen your brethren. I'm praying, Peter, that your faith doesn't fail. And he denied Jesus three times. Then after the Holy Ghost came upon him, he became a dynamic preacher and gave his life for Christ and was martyred. We know that. Signs and wonders follow the word of God, family. Signs and wonders, miracles, healings, all that follows the word of God. Amen. Before I prayed, last night we had amazing miracles here. Amazing miracles. All glory to God. But you notice I teach the Word before I pray for people. Why? Because it's the Word that does it. It's the Word that brings the miracles. Just a simple little message on faith brings the faith that brings the miracles. You see that? It's the Word. Science, follow the Word. Look here. Mark 16, 19, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Say this, please. If I want people to prosper, I need to teach them that God wants them prosperous from the Bible so faith can come to receive God's financial provision. If I want people healed, I need to teach them God wants them healed and how to receive it from the Bible 
And then faith will come to receive healing. If I want people to speak in tongues, I must teach them what the Bible says about it so faith can come to receive it. Amen. If I want folks to live in holiness, say that. If I want folks to live in holiness, I must teach them how to live in holiness. And by faith, they can do it. See, we can't live holy without faith. Without faith, no man will receive anything from the Lord. And Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. Some people run off the signs and miss the word. Say that again. Some people run off to the signs and miss the word. Some people look at the man and can't see the message. They missed the message, just like they did in Nazareth when they thought they knew who Jesus was. They thought they knew who he was. Now, some people run after prophecies because they don't have the word. I'll say that again. Some people run after prophecies because they don't have the word. That's why they do it. And some think they are prophets because they don't have the word. Some think, that, some think they are prophets because they don't have the word. They don't know what qualifies them to stand in the office of the prophet. In a nutshell, there's a lot we can say about the prophet's ministry to identify the prophet. In a nutshell, to be a prophet, one must operate in two of the three revelation gifts on a regular basis. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Those are the three revelation gifts. That means where the Holy Ghost speaks to you and you receive information. To be a prophet, one must stand in two of those three, any two of those three gifts. And these gifts operate as the Holy Spirit wills in the life of the prophet or in the life of any individual. The prophet will spend most of his time, most of his ministry, teaching. A prophet will spend most of his time teaching the Word with revelation from the Holy Spirit. Teaching subjects to equip the saints to meet the future dangers and challenges that lie ahead, which God reveals to the prophet is coming. So the prophet has understanding of the future. He senses what's happening. And so he begins to teach the body of Christ to prepare for those events. By revelation, he prepares the body. Some stand in the office of one who prophesies, like Philip's four daughters. They operate in the simple gift of prophecy that brings comfort, exhortation, and edification. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. There is a gift called the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 
verse 3. And the gift of prophecy, or one who stands in the office of one who prophesies, doesn't have revelation operating in their ministry, in that gift. It's the gift of prophecy with tongues interpretation, tongues and interpretation, or the gift of prophecy is equal to the gift of tongues and interpretation working together. So somebody can give up, get up and give a message in tongues. Somebody else can get up and give the message uh, and interpret, interpret the message. And that's equal to prophecy. But that's the gift of prophecy operating. It's not the prophet's office. Let's have a look at this in Acts 21.8. You'll see it clearly here. Maybe you should go in your Bible and have a look at that. Acts 21.8, New King James. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four daughters who prophesied. Said so that Philip had four daughters who prophesied. Now the Greek doesn't say they were prophetesses. It says that four daughters who prophesied. They operate the simple gift of prophecy, comfort, exhortation, and edification. Now, in the same verse, or the next verse, verse 10, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So the Bible distinguish, distinguishes Agabus' ministry from the four daughters uh, of Philip. His daughters stood in the office of one who prophesies, but here is a prophet now. Somebody operates in the gift, the revelation gifts. Verse 11. When he had come to us, the prophet, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, this is a clear difference between the four daughters that prophesied and Agabus, who was a prophet. Number one, notice the clarity of the prophecy. The Jews, right? First point. Where? At the Jerusalem, very clear. Will bind you because you own this belt, Paul, and deliver you, Paul, into the hands of the Gentiles. The Jews will bind you and give you as a prisoner to the Gentiles. Look at all those facts. One, two, three, four, five facts in that prophecy. Very clear, right? Now, why did that prophecy go forth? To prepare Paul for the storm he was going to go through. Though so he would stand firm and know what was going to happen and prepare himself. Some years ago, I was preaching for a friend of mine named Paul Zink in Jacksonville, Florida. He had a nice-sized church there. And I got up to speak, and the Holy Spirit said to me, there's a man here who's called as an evangelist. No, he's called as an evangelist. But he won't submit to Pastor Paul Zink for training and advice on how to execute the startup of his ministry. And he just wants to go out and do it 
by himself. And he's going to fail and miss his call and destiny. Call him out and tell him. So I said, is there a man here? And I explained, that's called as evangelist. And you're ready to go out. Would you please come down here? I have a word for you. So he came down. And I told him what the Spirit of God said. I said straight up, you don't want to submit to the pastor. You want to go out on your own, but he wants to train you. That's what God wants, to train you and equip you to go out. But you need to submit to him and receive the training, because otherwise you're going to fail. Well, he went back to his seat. I thought he would have said, well, praise God, thank you, I'm going to do that. But no, he didn't. I'm sitting in the green room with Pastor Paul Zink. There's a knock on the door. Paul Zink gets up, goes to the door, closes it behind him. He walks back in, closes the door. He says, that man you prophesied over is standing outside. He wants to speak to you. I said, okay, let him in. So I let him in. Now, Pastor Paul Zink's standing there. And the man says, I know that Pastor Paul Zink told you about me and told you to say that, but I'm just telling you now, I'm not interested in all that. I know what God's called me to do. I'm going to do it. I don't have to submit to Pastor Paul Zink. You told him what to tell him. You told this, this preacher about me, and that's why he prophesied that. You're trying to manipulate me. So why did God give me that word? To prevent a problem in his life. But can you see the clarity of it? Several years ago, I was preaching for Pastor Art Sepulveda in Hawaii. And uh, <clears throat> I got up to the platform to speak. And the Holy Spirit said to me, there's a woman here who's got nine children. Call her up. Now, there was about 800 people in the church. And uh, so <clears throat> the odds of having somebody there that has nine children is a big not, not a big odd. <laughs> not, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet that that was the case. So I just said, there's a lady here. You have nine children. Would you please come up? So she came up. Now she's walking up. I don't know what I'm going to say to her. So I said, Holy Spirit, what are you, why are you calling her up? And suddenly I knew I had a name come to me. A name. A lady's name. Clearly in my heart. So she's standing there. So I said to her, what does the name so-and-so mean to you? She said, that's one of my daughter's name. Oh, I said. I said, now what, Holy Spirit? And he said to me, tell her her daughter will live and not die. So I said, your daughter will live and not die. Well, when I said that, the whole church stood up and erupted in praise. I said, what's going on? Well, I didn't know that they've been praying. She's in intensive care, and the doctor said that they have no hope for this young girl to live. And they were praying for this young girl to live. I had no idea. But when they heard that, they all took heart because they knew I just arrived. I don't know anything about it. I just walked on the platform, and God gave her that word. Why? To steady her heart and faith through the storm that she's, about, that she's going through. Can you see that? A specific word, right? It's not a general word like, 
you know you've had a hard life <laughs> and I can see you problem you have a problem and you got something on your heart you're praying about oh yes prophet I have <laughs> I've got a word from God You're going through deep waters. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I don't believe anybody here has done that. I don't believe that. But anyway, you need to be aware of it. You might be in a meeting like that one time. So, now, Pastor Greg and Tracy, where are you? Stand up, please, would you mind? So before we knew them, several years ago now, about how many years ago this? When did this happen? About 33 years ago? Is that right? Is that right? About 30 years ago? Okay. Thank you. You may sit down. So I was um, praying for people on the platform. And um, so I stopped. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, there's a couple here. They're praying For a baby, and they've agreed in prayer and given the baby, unborn baby, was not conceived, a name. And they haven't told anybody about it. And they've prayed and agreed for this baby and given him a name. And you must speak to them. Now, I didn't know this, but they had just prayed that moment for confirmation that God would speak to me. And so I stopped, and three seconds later, I said that, after they finished praying. I called out what, what they just prayed. And I said, now, I said, they stood up, and I said, now, the Spirit of the Lord says, you prayed for a baby. Ask God for a baby, right? I said, yes. I said, and you named the baby, right? I said, yes. I said, now God's going to give me a word to know that you know that this is from God. I'm going to tell you the name that you prayed, and the name was Matthew. Is that right? He said, yes, that's right. That's the name of the baby we prayed for. Ask God for Matthew. So I told him that. Then I said, now, the Spirit of the Lord has called you out because He wants you to know that Matthew is going to be like Matthew of old, a mighty man of God. And you need to hang on to that. He's going to be like Matthew of old, a mighty man of God. You need to hang on to that. Now, why did God give him that word? Because to stay them through the storm, because Matthew turned away from God and has not served God for many years. But God's working in his heart. He's a precious man. God's working in his heart and bringing him back. And he's going to be. You see, now, why did God give him that word? God gave him that word to hold them steady in the storm, to believe God for Matthew to come to Jesus and serve him. Are you tracking me? So then, the word, now, I'm not a prophet. I'm an apostle. But an apostle stands in all five offices. There's time when I'll stand in office of a prophet. And all apostles stand in all five offices. But there are some people called to prophet's ministry and they have a greater prophetic ministry. Nevertheless, 
So uh, you can see there in that message the clarity of that word, right? Is that how it went? Exactly? Okay. You can see again the clarity, the specific detail of that. God will use a prophet to give a word of encouragement to someone to be able to stand in the storm that's ahead. Say that God gives a word to someone through a prophet to stand in the storm that lies ahead. Amen. It will always be detailed by the gifts of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. In the early 1990s, uh, Kenneth Copeland was preaching at Ramah, and Pastor Viv and I went to that meeting. We were sitting in the front row, and Kenneth Copeland asked me to stand up. Now, at that time, CFC Janisburg was going through financial crisis, and no one knew. We're not going to talk about it. The congregation didn't know. But we were sitting in that meeting, and he asked me to stand up. He says, Theo, please stand up. So I stood up. He said, the Spirit of God says he's going to pour out abundant finances in your ministry starting now. And let me tell you something. We couldn't cope with the amount of money that started pouring into the ministry. It just flooded, flooded. And we raised money enough to build this building. So I got that word to steady me in my faith in that time of the storm. I've had several prophecies in my life, but very few of them have been true. Sad to say. Now, sad to say. By giving someone a word of prophecy... Telling them to do something that takes them out of God's plan for their lives is very dangerous, a very serious matter. Because God sends us to the earth with a specific mission and purpose, which is documented in the book of Acts, still to be written. It's an unending book. The book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that hasn't been closed. And you are in the book of Acts, and for eternity, we'll be reading about your stories in the book of Acts. Now, by giving somebody a made-up prophecy, and then they run on that and act on that, and that prophecy takes them out of God's destiny for their lives. So Jesus sent the person, Joseph, to the earth for a certain purpose. And then somebody prophesies, no, don't do that, do this. Now, Jesus sent them there for that purpose, and we take them right out of God's plan. How's that going to be when we stand before the Lord one day? If we do that. That's why I shudder. I don't give a lot of prophecies. I don't. I, I have to know that's from God. So not only will that person's life be messed up, but that person is destined, was destined to impact many lives as well. That's all messed up. None of that happens. 
It's estimated that one person, an average person, impacts 80,000 people in their lifetime. And you'll find that in the National Society of Leadership and Success, October 10, 2022. A statistic taken by the National Society of Leadership and Success in October 10, 2022. That the average person impacts 80,000 people in their lifetime. So if I take somebody out of their destiny, there's 80,000 people that are not going to be receiving what God has for them to receive. I'm messing up a whole bunch. Are you tracking me, church? I don't have much time. But I remember going back a few years, the church just suddenly dropped in ascendance to 50% CFC Jasper. And I went to the Lord in prayer. I got out of prayer one morning, two o'clock in the morning. We were staying in the house here in Jasper. And I went to Natalie's bedroom. She wasn't there. And I got on my knees and I put my elbows on the bed and I began to pray. And I said, Father, I said, for some reason, the church attendance has dropped 50% just in a short while. I said, it seems like your hand has lifted off the church. I said, I sense in my heart, it's my fault. And I said, now, Father, this is exactly what I prayed. I said, Father, I said, let me resign. Take me out of the way. Give the ministry to somebody else. Don't hurt the sheep. Spare the ministry. Because I just don't know what I've done. And I don't want to hinder your work. And so I began to pray in the morning, 2 o'clock. And I prayed fervently under the unction of the Holy Ghost till 4 o'clock in the morning, until 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was weeping before the Lord. And suddenly I heard a voice in the room. I was repenting the whole time. I heard a voice in the room. You have been forgiven. And immediately I knew what I had done wrong when I heard the voice. I had employed three people, Peter Leo, Rodney Pinar, and Jerry Dalport. And they weren't called to the ministry. And it didn't work out. And they went back into the secular world to try and pick up the pieces. And I know that Rodney and Peter Leo did not do well. I think Jerry is, is doing fine. But I repented right there again for affecting their lives. And the Lord said to me, you took them out of the destiny I had for them. You took them out of my plan for their life. You employed them and you should not have employed them. They were never called to ministry. So there I messed up three people's lives. And I said, Lord, why did you lift your hand off the church? And not tell me. He says, I've been trying to tell you for some years and you weren't listening. Finally, I had to remove my hand of blessing to get your attention. So just what happened to Saul and David. I said, Lord, why did you not just deal with Saul? 
long time ago. You said, well, I protected David at the same time I was giving Saul the opportunity of repenting, but he never did. Well, I thank God I repented and the blessing came right back and the rest is history. Now, I'm going to close and share, share with you in this closing, we're going over about a few minutes here. I'll let you go in about three, four minutes. You can take these scriptures down if you want. In fact, they're in my new book, The Shield of Faith. Um, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Okay? We don't need to run to prophets, family. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. And if you are led by the Spirit of God, you're a son. If you're not, you're a baby. The sons or the mature are led by the Spirit of God. The babies are not. The babies run to prophets for words. The mature are led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature, the sons of God. So I say this, the Spirit of God leads us according to Romans 8.14. Romans 8.28. We know that God causes everything to work together for our good. Uh, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That's talking about praying in tongues. If you read the first two verses before that, it's talking about praying in tongues and means I'm continuing with the same subject. So say this, everybody who prays in tongues is causing God or allowing God to bring everything into order in their lives. So there's no need to go and run around the prophets. Pray in tongues. Let God work it out for you. Acts 10, uh, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We are his sheep. We hear his voice. Whether you realize it or not, Jesus said you do. Amen. Say, I do. Don't argue with him. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have received the Spirit who is from God. Why? that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Said, I've got the Holy Ghost, so I can know what God wants me to do. John 16, 13. Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he'll tell you things to come. We don't need to run to prophets, right? Isaiah 50, verse 4. Morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. So that morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. And then confess Colossians 1.9. Let's say that. Father, I thank you for the knowledge of your will for every area of my life in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I might fully please you in all things. So I know, I know what God wants me to do. I have God's wisdom. I'll make the right choices. By faith, I know what God wants me to do. I know how to grow the church. I know how to run my business. I know how to run my family. Because I have God's wisdom to make the right decisions. Praise God, I know what to do. I go to sleep at night. My spirit doesn't sleep. My spirit searches out from, from within me, from the Holy Spirit, all the wisdom I need. And when I wake up in the morning, I know what to do. I don't need to run to prophets. 
Only babies do that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.